0: Welcome to Next Economy Now. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight the leaders who are taking a regenerative, bioregional, equitable, democratic, racially just, and whole systems approach to creating the new economy. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'd love for you to share who you are and how you got into this work. Yeah, so I'm Isha. I am born, raised, and educated in Oakland, California. I'm currently a senior at MetWest High School, and I've been involved in a lot of activism, specifically in climate justice recently. And I got involved in climate justice about three years ago. I had been a part of this different social justice organization and we were invited to participate in this action that was targeting Phil Tagami, who's a very prominent developer in Oakland and is suing the city of Oakland to try to build a coal terminal through West Oakland, which is a predominantly low income community of color in Oakland. And at this action, I realized how central environmental racism is to environmental injustice and how historically, the climate justice movement hasn't reflected frontline communities. And I think that it's very important for people who are most impacted to be the loudest. And so I wanted to kind of join a movement that I saw moving in that direction. And now we're here. From what I understand, so far, you've founded an organization versus apocalypse. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, so I actually didn't found Youth vs. Apocalypse, but I was one of the original members. So Youth vs. Apocalypse started off as this local organization who was a part of the fight against the coal terminal, as I mentioned before. And the first group of young people were actually a lot of those young people that I was at that first action with. And so we started as a very local organization. And we were quickly given this new national global platform after the interaction with Dianne Feinstein went viral. And now we're kind of at this whole new level of organizing that is super new and very exciting. Could you describe for our listeners that interaction? Because I know I saw that clip and it was just, it struck me. Maybe just paint the picture of what happened in that room with Dianne that was so pivotal in the organization. Yeah, so it was, I believe, February 22nd. And we were at her office because Sunrise Movement organized a rally that we were invited to speak at. And after, a group of young people wanted to go up to present her with a letter that was asking her to vote yes on the resolution for the Green New Deal because there was a vote coming up. And so we got to her office and we were expressing this to her, asking her to vote yes and saying that we were the people who were going to be impacted and that the Green New Deal was a revolutionary plan and we really needed her as our representative to stand up for us and say yes. And we were met with a lot of pushback and she was talking about how she has been in her, her position for 30 years and how dare we come in there and say it has to be my way or the highway and saying things about like people sending us there and just different things like that. And it was a very disappointing interaction, but I think that there was a very important reaction to that video. And I think that that interaction was very pivotal in this new wave of climate justice. And I think after that, I really saw climate justice and support for the Green New Deal being very normalized. And so it was never actually about Dianne Feinstein as like an individual, but rather about what came of that interaction. Absolutely. Yeah. And what was striking to me was this clear sightedness coming from the youth of all ages. I mean, you were there kinda of, you were you're a lot taller than some of these young folks that were sharing their clear sightedness for the future and what needs to be done and comparing that to her kind of rigidity. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your experience working with you, and what gifts do young people have to offer right now that are being ignored or underutilized? You know, that's a great question. You know, we say that young people are a future, and we definitely are the future, but I think we're also very much the present. and. Young people, myself included, I like to think, (laughs) have this drive to fix the world, you can say, but really to create a world that no one could have imagined possible. And I think that this crisis, while very scary, is a very unique opportunity to completely reimagine the world and to completely redo everything that we know. Because all of these systems of oppression that undergird our world have fueled the climate crisis, in order to really solve it, we have to completely dismantle all of those systems. And in doing that, we have this unique opportunity to create revolutionary change and to really reinvent a world that is just sustainable, equitable, and beautiful. Thank you for that. I would love for you to share with our listeners some of what that is going to look like, led from what you're learning. You know, how does that world look different from where we are right now? That's a great question. I think that first there will be acknowledgement of the damage that has been done to communities and the historic oppression and the uplifting or not, I actually don't like to say uplifting because I think it's actually about allowing people to have the space to use their voices and to claim their own power rather than giving it to them. So I think there will be space for communities who have been marginalized to stand up and to really lead the way for solutions and to be running the world. And I think that we have this opportunity to really live in a world that looks like harmony and people are together on the street. And, you know, it's really hard to like really picture what that looks like, because I've never known that world. And so I guess we have to create what that looks like together. Well said. So could you talk a little bit about what you're doing right now? Things that you're excited about that Fridays for Future and vs Apocalypse are organizing towards to create that world? So right now, there's a huge focus on climate strikes. And the last one was September 20th. It was huge. There was, I believe I heard 7.5 million people in the whole world that participated in that climate strike. I believe it was actually that that strike and the strike on the 27th, which were both part of this International Week of Action. And I believe that the next one is set to be the 29th of November. And, you know, we haven't decided what we want that climate strike to look like just yet. But really, the foundation of our organizing has been this mass mobilization and really making a huge statement across the entire world that we are here. We're standing together in solidarity and our voices cannot be silenced. And I think it's a very exciting time. I think there's like a lot of quote unquote normal people who are standing up and making real change. And I think that's kind of what it's all about right now, getting people to come together and stand in solidarity and send a message to power holders that we do care about this. We're here and we can't stand by and let you ruin our world and let the end of humanity as we know it end. And, And we're here. I think that's the message. Yeah. I was there in San Francisco at that climate strike on the 20th and the youth certainly were there. I felt I felt, surrounded by the youth, the high schoolers that came out from Oakland, and so was a really exciting moment. What do you think changed as a result of that moment? I think for me, and I hope for other people, there's kind of this realization that we're not in this alone, and that for the first time in a very long time, I really believed that not only can we do something about it, but that we were doing something, not even were, that we are doing something about it, and that it's effective. At our first strike, we had about 2,000 people there. It was like a momentous, like it was unbelievable. And then at the next strike on September 20th, we had 30 to 40,000 people there. And so that was only a matter of months in between then. And just to know that our message is spreading and that people are getting fed up and are standing up. And are are wanting to do something about this and that. Every time we're taking a stand, the the movement is getting bigger and bigger. And for me, that is just so empowering. And as this movement grows, what are your hopes for kind of actions that people would take um, apart from coming out to a strike, which is obviously so important to spread the message? Are there other aspirations that you have for? actions the movement would take on and ways of showing up for the climate emergency for people to take? Yes, that's a great question. So just connecting it back to the strike real quick. So for the strike, we had seven demands. And each of these demands had an action item attached to it. So There was everything from passing legislature to targeting Governor Newsom to a whole bunch of different things. And so we encouraged people after the action to go on our website and to look at those demands and look at those action items to see what they could actually do, like something that they could work on right now to pass or to get done to get towards one of those demands. So that's one thing. And the other thing is right now we're in the process of updating our website. And on our website, we have where we're going to have a bunch of different campaigns. And so all of these campaigns are, some of them are led by Youth vs. Apocalypse, and some of them are led by other organizations, and each of them are doing different things. So there's um, a campaign targeting BlackRock, There's a campaign about the dredging of the bay that is in the works. There's Last Chance Alliance, which is working on targeting Governor Newsom. There's a bunch of different awesome, powerful campaigns that we're going to put on our website so that people can join and get involved with, so that we're going to have these local battles on very different levels while we're also continuing to organize on this national and global level.
1: Fantastic.
0: And yeah, I see on our... On the climate strike demands, there's uh, respect of indigenous lands and sovereignty, and we've had a Karina Gold on the podcast from and they love this—you know—protection and restoration of biodiversity, and implementation of sustainable agriculture, and obviously environmental justice. It is really broad-based and cross-sector. It's exciting to see this kind of systemic approach. Do you think that that's new from a climate mobilization perspective, or what, what do you think the youth are bringing to that? You know, I do think that there is this new era of climate justice and what climate justice means. We're making it very centered on frontline communities. And that's not to ignore that there has been a lot of resistance and resilience in Indigenous communities fighting for climate justice for generations and that can't be ignored. But I do think that there's this new kind of it's it's more now I don't want to say normalized, but we're kind of forcing people to recognize that you cannot have a climate justice movement that does not also target ICE and claim that we need Medicare for all and all these other things that seem very apart from climate justice, but are so connected. Thank you for helping people visualize those links. You know, sometimes we get the question: "Lift economy." You know, what does what does the economy have to do with climate or climate Mm -hmm. justice? And I think your work is really illuminating the connections and the the interrelatedness. So, just Mm -hmm. honoring and appreciating that. Thank you. I actually, you just made me think of another thing that the economy is also so central to climate justice, specifically with like investment companies like BlackRock, who are putting billions of dollars into the fossil fuel industry and are kind of making it so that our economy is dependent on these processes that are harming the earth and that are continuing to fuel climate change. And so for us to reverse the climate crisis, we have to transition to a green economy, which means that our economy is based on things that are not harming the earth. We can't keep pouring money into the fossil fuel industry, putting our economy in a very vulnerable place, because there's going to be a certain point, one, where we run out of fossil fuels, and two, where literally the world is ending. And that means that that's going to be the end economy as well. So this fight is also a fight for the change of our economy. Well, thank you for returning us to the true root of that word, which is home care, as you're probably familiar. Ecos, nomio, ecos home and nomio, the management. I appreciate that. So you've got so much going. You've got these campaigns. You've got these ways for people to get engaged. You've got this focus on frontline communities and letting frontline communities lead. What is a lesson or a learning or something you'd like, especially folks in the U.S., which is primarily our listeners, as consumers, as activists, what would you like for our listeners to keep in mind and be aware of in regards to climate crisis and your work? You know, I think my message to the listeners is that there is a place for everyone in the movement especially because this movement is so intersectional and at the same time is impacting everyone, whether you're an artist or an economist or an organizer at heart, you have a place in this movement. We need people to fundraise and we need people to make flyers and we need people to make chants and we need people to have in in high places and we need people who have people that they're connected to in frontline communities. We need everyone. And so never feel discouraged because the energy is there and we can make change. Well, thank you so much. You answered my next question, which um, I'd love for you to elaborate though. How can people help you grow your work and any specific requests for the incredibly important work that you are taking on? Every single person has a place in the movement. So just find where you feel most powerful in the movement and stay there and grow that and never be afraid of having conversations with people. And the second thing I would say is go to youthversusapocalypse.org and look at our campaigns and look at our message and our demands for our last strike and really educate yourself and find where you can get in. Well, thank you so much for truly taking care of our home and you know, raising the level of dialogue and awareness and the voices of the youth uh, in participating in that. Lift Economy and our listeners are standing by as allies and accomplices in this work and really co-discovering all together how we create that vision and create, actually manifest that new world that embodies kind of justice. Next Economy Now is a production of Lift Economy. To listen to all of our episodes, go to lifteconomy.com slash podcast. That's L-I-F-T economy.com slash podcast. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter at lifteconomy.com slash newsletter. Please also rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.